we're here to teach and encourage and admonish and strengthen. And we want to open ourselves to your work, Holy Spirit, in our lives this morning. Reveal Jesus to us, we pray. May we see him more clearly. May we know him more closely. May we be encouraged in our walk with him. And my prayer would be, the, as it always is in these moments, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together might be acceptable to you, because you're our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, as Chris, uh, Chris mentioned, uh, yes, it's, it was great to, to sort of get the dates aligned and be able to come and share with you this morning, and I, I guess I come bringing welcome on behalf of the 340 uh, churches across our state, churches that are meeting in all sorts of different different uh, places and uh, setups today from large buildings to homes to uh, rented facilities, uh, some in different languages, but with this common sense of who Jesus is for us, uh, that He is the one who's redeemed us, that He's the one who's brought us back and that we have a message for the community around us as a result of what He's done in our own lives. So, I guess part of being in association together as, as churches across the state and, and ACT is that we're part of a big family, and we're part of a family actually that's global, 47 million um, Baptists uh, across, across the globe, and of course, part of God's kingdom family, which is much bigger even than that. But it's the fact that we choose voluntarily to connect together that is actually quite special. There are, uh, alongside those churches, a whole lot of other uh, organisations that together as a Baptist movement in this state, impact our state for the gospel. Everything from um, the 4,000 people who work for Baptist care in this state, to our training colleges, to um, our overseas aid agencies, which um, globally, amongst Baptist World Alliance, is probably one of the most innovative agencies globally. And, uh, and I could talk, you know, go on about different aspects of who we are together. And one of the wonderful things about that is that together we can do more than we can do separately. And together we get to um, partner in the work of God in the world. Uh, and that's great, isn't it? That we can be conduits of uh, the, the message of Christ and conduits of His blessing to the world around us in ways that we could not do on our own. And the role of the team that I lead at the Baptist Association is really to coordinate and to partner with churches and to support and resource and network um, do all we can to empower the local church to be about the business of making disciples, uh, to connect local churches with each other, and so we might together maximise the impact of the ministries that we have. The shorthand for all of that is our purpose statement, and uh, so as Baptists together, we're here to advance the gospel of Jesus, holistically, uh, through what we say, uh, through God's presence among us, uh, through what we do, in, uh, in service to our world around us, um, and we do that in partnership together. A few years ago, we uh, took some time as a movement to look at honing the direction that we were going in, the recognition that we needed to be clearer about who we were and where we were heading as a movement, a movement of churches together, and, and our, our assembly, our, our representatives from all our churches came together over a period of time and discerned these things. And, and there are four, I guess, four key um, pictures that drive us forward as, as, a, as a movement together, um, that um, I guess within that, each of our local churches 
express that very differently and uniquely in the ways that God has called us to, called you to in this particular community. Four pictures. One about um, communities of faith that are transforming, where lives are being changed uh, by the power of the gospel, where disciples are being made and formed and grown from the youngest to the oldest. Uh, churches that are, are healthy in the way they operate together in their witness and in their witness to the world. Uh, a vision, secondly, for a multiplying movement. Um, one of the, the very significant things that we committed to as a movement uh, a few years ago now is what's become colloquially known as the Gen 1K goal, which is a goal of a thousand healthy churches across our state and ACT uh, by the year 2050. Uh, so that's a tripling of the size of our movement um, over the next generation. Uh, and that's a really significant thing. It's far beyond our own strength. It's one that we need to ask God uh, for His enabling for. But it puts into perspective the fact that uh, in our state and territory, there are many, many people who are yet to come to know for themselves who Jesus can be for them. And we live and work towards that end. Uh, it means we connect uh, in, in acts of compassion and justice in our local communities, and that's part of our vision as well. And finally, that if, if that's going to be who we are, then we need to be about the work of, of growing leaders uh, for, to, to serve, growing pastors, but not just pastors, people in all walks of life, to be influencers in our wider world and in the life of our churches, to lead well for the sake of the gospel. So, leadership development is a key part of what we do. And uh, the team also helps churches in other areas, in administration and safe church practice and a whole lot of other things as well. But isn't it wonderful to know that when we gather in one particular locality, um, on one particular Sunday, that we are actually in fellowship globally uh, and across our state with people who, um, who share uh, the same direction and who share a desire to impact their world for Christ. So, uh, and it's wonderful for, for me to have the opportunity to just tell some of those stories around the place uh, as, as I go. Um, I'm just going to cut to a video now, which is just sort of picks up uh, a bit of, I guess, the forward-looking sense of, of where we're going as a movement together. This was prepared about 12 months ago, or 18 months ago now, for our 150th anniversary, and it, it just um, crystallises in a different way our, our vision called the Gen 1K vision. I'll just let that play now. This is a story about New South Wales, the ACT the Gospel and you. For over 150 years, our Baptist movement has heard God's call to see the Gospel advance in our state and territory. And from our earliest days, it was about more than building great churches. It was about the transformation of a society. The Gospel does that. It believes in justice, it brings hope, it transforms lives, it impacts culture. The Gospel changes everything. And that's where you come into the story. You are a culture maker. How you communicate, how you do your work, what you create, how you live in relationships. So what does this all add up to? One big possibility. If enough followers of Jesus lived their lives and expressed the gospel with mercy and justice and friendship and hope sharing, they could change the fabric of our culture. So where are we in the story? At the dawn of the 20th century, there were 38 Baptist Association churches in New South Wales. Today, it's almost 350 churches across New South Wales and the ACT. Churches sharing the gospel in word and sign and deed, impacting their communities 
bringing hope. In recent years, we have discerned God's calling to a new chapter in our story, a tripling of the size of our movement to 1,000 healthy churches by 2050. We see existing churches continually renewed for mission and many new churches birthed, not just to have more churches, but to see lives transformed by the gospel and society changed. We know it's beyond our own capacity, but it's not beyond God's. We also know that this can't be done by just some of us. This story needs to belong to all of us, for us together to pray, to go and to give. To pray for God to move by His Spirit, to give of our time and finances to enable the formation of new churches and new pioneer leaders, and to go and be culture makers in our worlds for Jesus' sake. This new chapter in our story is just starting to unfold. Will you be part of it? That's a little snippet of, I guess, where we're headed as a, a broader movement. And um, my prayer would be that as you all consider you know, sort of how God continues to call you into ministry in this valley and in this region, that, um, that you can see yourself as part of a bigger um, perspective of what God is doing uh, across our state and beyond. Um, I think these things are significant for us, as they are significant in our own lives, when it comes to asking ourselves the question, are we clear in our minds? about where we're headed and about why we do what we do as churches uh, and as individuals as well and as people uh, walking, just walking the Christian walk. Uh, my, uh, my middle son, uh, I was doing taxi duties um, a week or so ago and picked up my middle son uh, on a Thursday night and we we're in the car and I asked him the question, uh, how was school today mate? And he said, um, he said, uh, student representative council is stupid. And I said, student representative council is, well, you probably know, it's the, you know, the, the students that are chosen from the year to come together and sort of help make decisions about how the, how the things might happen in the school and whatever. I said, oh, well, that's interesting. Now, what, uh, what makes you say that? And he said, well, um, this year, because he's been on it for a couple of years, this year there's a new teacher who leads it and um, she just comes in and says, this is what I think we should do, uh, is this okay with you? And we talk about it for five minutes and then it's over. He said, she said... He said, if that's what student representative council is going to be this year, I'm out of there. That's a waste of time. Um, I said, well, um, have you talked to the teacher about this? Oh, well, I don't know whether I'm going to be... So we had a bit of a conversation about how he might constructively share some feedback with his teacher about, about student representative council. But at, w at one level, of course, I got what he was saying. Because he's saying, I thought I was here for a particular purpose. I thought I was here to, to do something, to, to contribute, to see things change, to influence. And yet, the purpose for which I thought I was here it doesn't seem to be working out, so I've lost interest. Does that happen for you? <laughs> that we might want to be clear about the why of what we do. And if we're not clear about that, it's really hard... It's really hard to be motivated. So let me ask you as I ask myself, um, at the beginning of this year, well, I guess sort of the beginning, as things continue to ramp up for the year, as we reflect on the fact that we're part of a, a broader movement together and we reflect also on the reality of life for each of us in the very day-to-day -day that we live. Um, it's a question in our quieter moments that needs to be answered, isn't it? Why do we do 
what we do. Why do you do what you do? Now, of course, as followers of Jesus, there is a big answer to that, that, well, Jesus is the answer, and it's not just the Sunday school answer, that is the answer, because of what He's done for us. We live in response to His gracious work for us, the profound greatness of His work on the cross and His resurrection and His call to be disciples, and His call to obedience. These are realities that are very significant for us. And then, of course, there's the specifics of our own life situation, isn't there? Whether it's a particular job role that you might have or a particular role in your family or in study or uh, in ministry in this church or in other places. But why is it that you do what you do? Well, I just want to share this morning, and there's not one particular scripture um, passage that I'm sharing from, I'm going to share just a, a framework, I guess, that's been helpful for me uh, as I've thought through this whole idea of the why. In big picture, why do I do what I do? Some of my heart for the why and um, some texts that have been really significant for me in, the, in that journey. They sort of start big and they get a little bit more specific. And I want to start with, for us as followers of Jesus, what is the ultimate, the ultimate picture uh, that leads us forward as we understand our why? Um, going to the very second, so the second last chapter of the Bible in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This, friends, is, is not, is it, the ultimate long-term picture. Jesus is on the throne, a, a vision of all things new, new heavens, new earth, new environment, new, uh, everything new. It's a picture, isn't it, of security. We know where our lives are headed. We know we're headed to a, a place and, and a space where Jesus is immediately present with us in a way that we can only dare to imagine right now. So, those times that I struggle to engage with the Lord, those times that I might struggle in worship to engage, or struggle with a doubt or a fear, all of those things, things in the past, at the renewal of all things. Because God is present with me in an amazing way as I enjoy the new heavens and the new earth. Don't you find that intoxicating? Don't you find that wonderful to think and reflect on? It's a glorious picture. Jesus has won it for me and for the world. A future beyond our imaginings. Beyond our imaginings. All things new. Health, relationships, environment, justice. Things put right as they were intended to be. There's a, um, there's a phrase that's come into our, our lingo over the last probably decade or two, I think. Uh, in our culture, and it's called, and it's the bucket list, you know what I mean? 
the bucket list. We're all supposed to have bucket lists. The things that we want to do before we kick the bucket. Now, I mean, make no mistake, I have things that I'd love to do and I have places that I really want to see, but it strikes me that that's actually a profoundly unbiblical way of thinking. It doesn't mean we can't long to see nice things or experience wonderful things, but but we have a big picture of a life that makes the bucket list look just puny. <laughs> that if I was to live to 100, and which I fully intend to do, uh, in perfect health, which I fully intend to do, we shall see, uh, um, and, and that's a very, very long way away from now, um, if, if that was to happen for me, there would be many places in this world that I won't have seen, there will be many books that I won't have read, there will be games that I haven't played, music, experiences that I haven't, happened, haven't had. My family and I were in a trip in Central Australia a couple of years ago and um, you get to that point, if you're going out towards Uluru, Ayers Rock, where you get the first glimpse of the rock. It'd be sort of like everybody coming to a screaming halt when they got to that point and hopping out of their cars and sort of jostling for positions in the middle of the desert to take uh, a snap of the rock from a 200k distance. When, guys, just keep driving, you can go and touch it, you can go right up to it. See, we have so much that's awaiting for us. This is the big picture, the renewal of all things. I've been um, away just sharing and uh, conversing with pastors and leaders and churches over the last week, came up through the New England. And on one of the mornings of this week, I went to visit uh, one, uh, a couple, the, the, the husband had been the pastor of one of our churches in uh, the New England area until middle of last year, when he was ab- unable to continue due to the progression of m- motor neuron disease. And as many of us are aware, uh, motor neuron disease is a horrible illness that sort of bit by bit your brain forgets to tell your body what to do. And, uh, and this is happening for him. And so as I'm driving out to meet with him early on Thursday morning, I'm thinking, I wonder what we're going to talk about. I don't think we're going to be talking about bucket lists. I think we're going to be talking about something far more rich that he's looking forward to, something far more expansive, something far more wonderful. Anything that I can think of that I, I really long to partake in and experience, perfected in the renewal of all things, the new heavens and new earth. This is the big picture that we hold before us, is it not, as, as God's people. And it's part of us understanding our why, because we live for the big picture, we live for the future, we are future-oriented people. And it transforms then the way we live in the present, because I don't have to experience everything now. I, I can live for others knowing that, um, that God is with me in the present and we're looking together towards a future that's beyond our imaginings. And of course, we do live at the moment in this time in between. And this is the second part of the, the framework that's been so helpful for me in understanding the why of why I do what I do. Jesus, those few words just in, in Matthew chapter 6 as he's teaching his disciples to pray. Um, He says, pray this way, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come. Recognising that, what what does that mean? There is that future expression of the kingdom in its fullness, 
that we will experience. The kingdom was coming in Jesus' own life as he, as he transforms the lives of those around him when he was here on earth. And we live in this period of time when the kingdom is coming, bit by bit. We live in between. And in the midst of this in-between time, we work and we pray and we hope and we live. What for? We live for God's loving rule to be more profoundly expressed in the lives of people and in our society, for His ethics to be more fully employed in the lives of people and in our society, for, for people to be awakened to the hope of who Jesus can be for them, that He's delivered them from an eternity apart from Him, His will done in the lives of the one and the millions. We live in between. I remember a, a stage in pastoral ministry um, just connected with and journeying with a lady in the church I was pastoring who had very profound uh, mental illness and that meant she sometimes made really good choices and other times made seemingly illogical and very destructive choices. A person of faith and you would rejoice in those times when, when she made really great choices and when her faith seemed to go from strength to strength and you would grieve for those times when when the illness got in the way and, and really she was making choices that were very hard and very destructive for her and others and those around her. One day all of that will be a thing of the past for her. She's now living in between and we minister and we work with her in between. My son started this week at University of New South Wales Renewable Engineering. Part of that for him is that he wants to care for God's creation. He realises that we've mucked it up and he wants to play his part, not in some sort of whatever way, but because, as a person of faith, um, these things matter. He's living and working in between. So whatever it is that you're called into, whether it's working with people, whether it's making something happen, whether it's building things, whatever it is, you live and you work in between, to see God's, uh, God's ethics, to see His influence made famous in your environment around you. And our expectation, of course, is not that we'll see this in its fullness, we'll see it in its fullness at the renewal of all things, at Jesus' return and after, but we labour for God in this world to that end now. And as Paul reminds us at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, it matters because God, Jesus has died and risen for us, these things matter, these things make a difference. The little things that we do for the sake of the kingdom make a difference. Jesus believed it himself, he believed it in his own life, it's clear. Um, and this is the, the third text that, that's significant for me when Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, uh, just comes to uh, the, the synagogue in the town where he grew up and is asked to to bring the scroll out and, and read out of the book of the prophet Isaiah and he pulls out chapter 61 and he reads those words that we know, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus was very clear about his mission, he had a clear sense of being sent, being sent as God's son. But the significant thing is that this, this, this crystal clear sense of the why for Jesus is not just a privilege that he only enjoyed. In fact, uh, in fact uh, a, few, a few years later, three years later, John chapter 20, as, 
as we see an upper room full of frightened followers of Jesus who've just seen their Lord crucified, have heard rumours that the, that the, and, and, and the, the, the grave is empty and they're trying to work that out and Jesus comes and presences Himself amongst them in that upper room in that night where they've got the doors locked for the fear that what the Jews did to Jesus, they're coming to do for them as well. And Jesus speaks into their lives in that moment in John chapter 20, 21. And He says, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And that promise and those words ricocheted down the centuries as they were just uh, to this day and this age and to you and to me. As Jesus comes into our space and says to us, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You. And Jesus requires me to find in my own life, my, my own calling and my response to this command. And I do it against the backdrop of uh, a frightened, near-defeated little band of followers who, if we read the book of Acts, changed the trajectory of history as they came to understand powerfully the, the power of the Spirit at work in them and as they bore witness to the life-changing gospel of Jesus. So the witness of, of the book of Acts, I think, in part is there, so that you and I might be reminded daily to surrender ourselves to Jesus and live sent for the purposes of His kingdom, wherever He's called us and whatever He's called us to do. And in, Because in the end, nothing is more significant than that. That we might know and that we might live in the big why that God has for us. And of course, just finally, very briefly, this is not just about you and me as individuals, although our individual journey with the Lord is critical, isn't it? This is also about us in community together. And as Paul reminds us in, in Ephesians chapter 3, um, that wonderful verse when he's describing the church, he says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold or the variegated or the, 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 um, yeah, the variegated wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God is, has chosen to use the local church to be a significant agent of His kingdom's coming in this world. Don't you find that incredible? Now, from time to time, we kick own goals as the church, don't we? <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, God uses... His church. The church is a signpost, it's an agent of the kingdom. It's not the only way the kingdom gets opened up for people, but it is the significant way that God's kingdom expands in the world through the life and the witness of local church after local church after local church. People who've come to grips with who Jesus is for them and want to see other people experience that for themselves. Who, want to, who long to see people get a hold of the big picture that we don't live with some sort of fatalistic sense of, I'll just get what I've ever, I can get out of life and before I kick the bucket. But there's a big picture and it's worth living for. It's worth living for. Why do I do what I do? Because Jesus believes in the local church. Because Jesus died for the local church and He loves it. So, as I reflect on those for myself, I wonder if there's anything in there that's particularly resonated with you this morning. Why do you do what you do? And as you go about doing what you do this year, as a church, in your family, wherever, 
whatever roles you play, will you see your own journey of being a disciple of Jesus in the everydayness of your life within this big story of what God is up to in the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus? Will you never forget the destination? Jesus is on the throne, all things new. This is where we're headed. Will you live purposefully and prayerfully in this in-between season? His kingdom come. Will you pray it for yourself and for others? Will you find what it means to live as a person who's sent by God into your world? Find your lane and run it with energy and with passion and with hope. And will you drink freshly of Jesus' vision for the local church? as the critical place, the critical place it has in his kingdom's purposes and love her and serve her as Jesus did. Let me lead you in prayer. I want to just, um, you know, as the, as the musicians come up in a moment of quietness, uh, if there's one particular aspect that might, you know, the Holy Spirit might be impressing on your heart this morning, you might just take a moment to talk to the Lord about that. One thing in particular that he might be asking you to respond to, or to see freshly, or to be encouraged by. Just talk to him about that now. Jesus, rejoice, rejoice again this morning that you are on the throne. That we look forward to a day when everything is new. We thank you that you empower us by your spirit for living in between, in, in, in this space. And so in the midst of what it is that you've called us to in, in our own lives and in our life together as your community here, might be that we'll hear clearly and run purposefully with hope as you give us energy and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Let's finish with reaffirming our beliefs. Please stand.
Well, thank you for being here this morning.